It is uh, just wonderful to celebrate Pentecost, and one of the things that we get to do is just read a familiar text to some of us. It may be new to others. I, I don't want to presume that this is familiar to all by any means, because in Acts chapter 2, there's an amazing story that we get to read of this morning. We've been studying stories from the book of Acts over the last seven weeks as we've been in this Easter season, as we've been celebrating the the, the forward mission of God. And today we actually jump back to almost the beginning and, and we get to see some of that which has given rise to that which we've studied over the last several weeks in Acts chapter 2. Let's stand together, can we, as I read it. Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 21. It's a little lengthy. There might be a time or two where I just invite you to read along with me. So, so, so keep up is what I'm telling you. Keep up, all right? On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. It was kind of like this. There were maybe 120 of them or so, about like this. So it was just kind of like this. And uh, they were together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Let's read the next verse, two verses together. Can we? Verse 5 and 6. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Just me again. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts in Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. That's all. Let's read the next three verses together, 14, 15, and 16. Then Peter set forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Just me. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives, and all of us together on verse 21. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord 
will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Well, our family was in Costa Rica. It was uh, part of a sabbatical that we took in 2010, and we were in Costa Rica for about three weeks. And we were staying at the seminary, the Nazarene Seminary in San Jose, and Kyla and I had gone uh, to be a part of a sort of a language immersion program that we were going to try to study and learn Spanish for a few weeks, and some of you are like, why don't you all speak Spanish a little bit better than you do then? Well, we're trying, people, we're trying. Um, Katie and Thomas were along for the ride, and uh, we're having a great time there in Costa Rica, spending some time with friends who live there, getting to know some of the missionary children who lived on the seminary grounds as well, traveling around as a family on the weekends. They too were immersed in Spanish as that was the language that was spoken uh, on, in, the, in the seminary area and uh, everywhere we went and uh, we're, we're just hearing that language all the time. Beautiful, wonderful language. And for the most part, they were handling themselves. We were all handling ourselves fairly well. And uh, we, were, we were trying to learn as much as we could and uh, communicating with the people around us as best we, we could. At one point in the trip, though, it it all got a little bit overwhelming for uh, my son, Thomas. Thomas just waved everybody. He he was seven at the time and a little bit more, well, small. And and, uh, it it all became a little overwhelming towards the end of the trip. I asked him, he would have been about seven years old, I think, and I asked him one evening if if he was having a good time on our trip to Costa Rica and he looked at me, and Katie was right there with him, and they both sort of looked at me with this exasperated expression on their faces. And Thomas was sort of a, a desperate cry. He said, Dad, it's really fun, but I just want to speak English. I just want to, I just want to hear some English again and, and talk in my own native language. And if you've ever been in a country other than your own, or if you've ever been around a group of people that speak a different language than the one that you do, you know how refreshing and sort of empowering it can be to hear words spoken in your own native language. Amen? And, and we know people even in, in America, in Santa Barbara, when, when we see folks that we know that English is not their first primary language, when they hear someone speaking in their own language. You can sort of see their eyes light up and their ears perk up. And it's like, ah, someone who knows my language. Someone who knows me. Someone who can speak, speak my language, literally. Someone who I can connect with in a, in a new way. And, and my son and daughter had discovered, as really Kyla and I had as well, that it can be wearisome to have to constantly be translating in your mind what is being said, and constantly be evaluating every word that you say and thinking intently about every word that comes into your mind, into your ears, it can just be wearisome. It can wear you out. And again, in the opposite direction, how it can just light you up when you hear someone else speaking your own native language. This is what was happening there in Jerusalem on this Pentecost day that we've read about in Acts chapter 2. Pentecost was a Jewish festival, and it was 
celebrated 50 days, thus the Penta, the 50 days following the Feast of Passover. And it was part of the cycle of religious festivals within the Jewish culture. And, and, and so those who were the most religious had come to Jerusalem to celebrate this Passover feast. And, and it, was, it was filled, Jerusalem was, with faithful Jews from all over the Roman Empire. And you heard me talking about them and Jewish converts and, and from all over the Roman Empire, all sorts of different people who shared the same faith, but who didn't, very important to the story, share the same language. And milling about the city on the start of that festival day, they had come to, to this place where they could worship their God, and they had little idea that their God was about to show up in a way like he had never been seen before. But, but God did come in a, in a new and a fresh way came first of all upon a small group, 120 or so, of Jews that were meeting together in one place. Some suggest that not only were they in one place geographically, but they were in one place uh, spiritually. They were of one heart, of one accord. And these followers, you have to know, had been praying and waiting for just such a moment like this, Jesus had instructed them to wait for the giving of the Holy Spirit, and they had been waiting, and now the wind was blowing, and the fire was falling, and the Holy Spirit had filled the room in a powerful way, and, and these that were gathered began to speak in other languages, and, and, and I'm not even sure, I, probably, but I, I'm not even sure if they understood what they were saying, but, but those who came running towards the room because of the commotion that they heard, they definitely understood what was being said. The voices sounded like sweet music to their ears. Not only because they heard these voices speaking in their own language. It must have been so refreshing and so life-giving after having to try to understand the common language and working to interpret and, and work through all the issues of broken language and sharing this language that, that they all didn't know well to, to hear their own language, how empowering, how refreshing, how life-giving. But not only did they hear their own language, but in their own language, they heard of the wonderful things that God had done. They heard the life-giving, refreshing Voices speaking of the good things and wonderful things that God had done. Perhaps, uh, perhaps there was no other moment more significant in the days following Jesus' resurrection in terms of moving forward the mission of God, in terms of advancing the cause of Jesus Christ than this day of Pentecost. And... and and to think that some folks almost missed it completely because they thought these followers of Jesus were, they just had a little too much to drink. Uh, I, in, in thinking about it though, perhaps it was good that some misunderstood what was going on here because it gave Peter a chance. Did you notice that? It's like some said that he was drunk and Peter stepped forward and had a sermon to preach in fact, he reported, these folks were not only not drunk, 
It's way too early in the morning for that. I'm not sure what Peter's suggesting there, but um, they were not drunk. In fact, these were main characters in this critical chapter of the story of God that had been spoken of hundreds of years before by the prophet Joel, and now that was unfolding before the very eyes of those who had gathered here in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. God was doing something new. God was moving forward with God's loving and redeeming mission in the world. And in the process, we need to catch this, God was making clear those realities that were to define this mission. On this day of Pentecost, he was making clear those realities that were to define this mission for all the days to come. Simply put, hear this. Pentecost made it forever known that the mission of God would be one in which all of God's Spirit is made available to all of God's people so that all of creation might come to know Him. All of God's Spirit made available to all of God's people so that all of creation might come to know Him. It's the Pentecost message. Our celebration of Pentecost today reminds us that we don't have to wonder if God is holding anything back from us. I love Danny's prayer this morning. It reminded us that Pentecost was not necessarily the birthday of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit has been present and at work from the beginning of creation and before in the triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit. This was not the first that we've heard of the Spirit in Scripture. It certainly wouldn't be the last. But in, in, in a very special and unique way, it is sort of a coming out party for the Spirit. And it's, it's a beautiful, vivid reminder of the very presence of God that is available to us in the Holy Spirit and His empowering presence that is available to His people and to the church. We don't have to wonder, as, we, as we're reminded of this Pentecost story of the Spirit flowing into the, that room and filling the hearts and lives of these believers, we don't have to wonder, this story reminds us, if God is holding anything back from us. We don't have to wonder if if God has any cards up his sleeve still, I'm not sure that God plays cards, but if he did, he doesn't have any cards up his sleeve. It's all on the table. Everything that he has, everything that he is, all the resources of heaven have been made available to the people of God. It has all been put at our disposal. This, is, this, is a, this, should, this should remind us of a couple things. First, let's, let's be clear on this. It's not our creativity or our ingenuity that will ultimately get the mission of God accomplished. So, just take a breath. Just, just, uh, just relax for a minute. It's not up to you. Ultimately, it's not up to me. It's not a, it's not a slick website. It's not even a social media presence you can believe that. It's not a high-quality youth ministry. Sorry, Wilson. It's not stirring sermons. Sorry, James. None of these things are bad. None of these things are 
wrong. We're all about these things, but we dare not forget the biblical truth that was true in the days of Zechariah, and it's true in our day as well, that it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I didn't say that. You hear that? I didn't say that. It says the Lord, not by might nor by power. One person wrote it like this. He said, God fills God's followers with God's own life, God's own spirit, enabling them to speak God's words and to do God's work. That's what Joel means by prophesy, by the way, to speak the words of God. All that we need, all the resources that we need to accomplish, all that God has called us to do are available to us in the presence and the power of his Holy Spirit. Our celebration of Pentecost also reminds us that we don't have to wonder if there is a part for each of us to play in this mission of God that he is bringing about in the world. All of God's people are invited to the party. All of God's people are invited to this mission. Again, on this day, it was around 120 believers. Again, kind of like this. And again, kind of like this. The, 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 the people of God were likely of different social standing. They were of different gender. They were of different ages. But on God's mission, all these distinctions fall away. All these differences are forgotten. Did you hear the words of Joel that Peter quoted? Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, says Joel. Your young men and your old men will dream dreams. I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. I was at a meeting just last week that I get to go to every year up in Colorado, Estes Park, and it's a meeting where pastors and leaders from the Church of the Nazarene gather together to simply think and talk about clergy, that's pastors, if you don't know what clergy means, uh, to just think about clergy preparation, how we're helping people hear the call of God on their life, especially the vocational type ministry of being a pastor or a missionary, and then to respond to that call by education and by training and by experience. Um, how are we helping people in, in the, uh, the pipeline? One of the things that I discovered at this meeting, and it was kind of received with sort of good news, bad news type of information, was that the average age of someone in the Church of the Nazarene receiving their district license for the first time is 43. 43. And that was older than I anticipated, older than most people anticipated, older than has been traditionally the case. But what this reveals is that indeed, indeed, your young men and your old men will dream dreams. There's, there's no age that, that, that makes it appropriate for someone to respond to the call of God on their lives. For ministry. You can be a 15-year-old. You can be a 55-year-old. God is calling. God is using people of every age. At this meeting also, there was one of, of the Nazarene general superintendents, and usually I don't talk too much about our Nazarene polity because some of you are like, who 
cares. And that's fine, but just uh, for this moment, just uh, kind of oblige me, but, but one, of, one of our six, we have six, we don't have one, we have six general superintendents, but, but the one who was with us for that week was a, a, a woman named Carla Sunberg. Carla uh, was uh, a nurse and in her nursing profession, heard the call of God on her life, became, she and her husband, the first Nazarene full-time missionaries to Russia. And as they returned from Russia, she and her husband became district superintendents, and Carla was elected to be one of our, our general superintendents. And she shared with us and led us beautifully. Uh, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. There's one, one pastor lady who was there who stood up and shared sort of a, a, a hypothetical or a kind of a third-person story that was obviously about herself. But she was talking about a young girl who was 12 years old who felt God calling her into ministry. And so she went to her pastor to let him know about her call to ministry. And, and he said to her, well, yes, the Church of the Nazarene had women pastors in its early days, but that was just because there weren't enough men pastors. And now we have enough men pastors, so there's not a need for women pastors anymore. And that stunted her response, obviously, to the call of God upon her life. And she said it wasn't for 10 years until she came to the end of her college career that she began to hear other truths speaking into her life and she responded at that point to God's call in her life. Now she's a college pastor and one of our professors at a Nazarene University, a wonderful leader in, in the church. Um, I don't, this isn't soapbox time, so don't, I'm, I'm not on a soapbox. I just want to say gender, age, color, language. What God is looking for is none or all of these. What God is looking for are broken and contrite hearts. What God is looking for are people who are longing for nothing more than Him and for His purposes in the world. And these are the kind of hearts and these are the kind of people that God can use. And all the other demographic information that you bring with you... <laughs> It's incidental or it's monumental because God wants to use that in a new and a fresh way. God's not about, God can, let's be sure, God can get anything done that he wants to at any time in any place. But I just kind of think that, um, you know, he's not one to limit his roster size by half. Uh, for you see, our celebration of Pentecost finally today reminds us that the target of God's mission is extremely wide. The target of God's mission is extremely wide. In a word, it is everyone. Say it with me. Everyone. This is the target of God's mission. Everyone. Oh, that everyone might hear the wonderful things God has done. Oh, that anyone and everyone would call on the name of the Lord and be saved. We don't have to wonder. Today, some of you are wondering, actually, if you are beyond the reach of God's grace. You're not. Just let me assure you, 
You're not. Maybe somebody came in here today thinking, I'm pretty sure I am. You're not. Some of you also have somebody in mind this morning who you're pretty sure is beyond the reach of God's grace. Let me assure you, they're not. They may have treated you in a way this week or in recent years that would make you pretty sure that they are, but they're not. There's not a one that is too far gone beyond the reach of God's grace and God's mission. In fact, as we declared over Clara this morning, we believe that God's grace is at work in the hearts and lives of people from the moment of their conception, that God's grace is stirring in their hearts, that God's grace is creating this this space, this vacuum within them somewhere that can only be and ultimately be filled by the presence of God, by the love of God, by the forgiveness of God, that there is no one beyond the reach of God's grace. And it was on display right here in Jerusalem. It was God's grace that was It was making these disciples able to speak, and it was God's grace that was prompting the others to come near and to hear and enabling them to understand the wonderful things that God has done. Have you ever noticed that the longer you hang out with church people, the the, the more you speak a, a, a new language? It's called Christianese. Have you do you speak this language? If you've been hanging out with church folks for too long, you, have, you are bilingual. You didn't even know it, but you have the seal of biliteracy on your diploma. You are bilingual. You, well, some of you are monolingual. All you speak is Christianese. You've been hanging out with Christians so long. When you say fellowship, it's like, yeah, fellowship. Who says that? Hey, guys. Let's go to the bar and have some fellowship. No, we don't. That's not really said in, in the world. Let's go get some coffee and fellowship. So, uh, grace. I've been saying it a lot this morning. But when I say the word grace in public settings or with people who aren't part of the inside crowd, I'm like, by the way, that just means the, the, the undeserved love of God. Because it's a word that we just throw around. Grace this and grace that. Um, missional. Some of y'all don't use that one, but I use it a lot. It's like, we're a missional church. And I still, every time I type it into my computer, it's like red line. That is not a word. That is not a word. Yes, it is. I'm like, accept this word. Backsliding. When was the last time you heard the word backsliding outside of the church? There are so many others. You know, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. We're just kind of different. We're kind of odd. This language is strange. And it's easy to let it happen. I, I, I worked for a church when I was in seminary where the youth pastor, his, like one of his main goals in the staff of that church was to stop us from speaking Christianese. And every time someone would say so, uh, a Christianese word in a staff meeting, he'd be like, eh, eh, can't use that word. It doesn't make sense. People don't use that language. Uh, it's not altogether a bad thing as long as you're talking to insiders. But what about to a world around us that has no idea what we're talking about? This wide, wide target of the mission of God. Let me ask you, what language would you need to be gifted by the Holy Spirit to speak so that you might be heard 
by the people that you know and interact with on a daily basis. Uh, some around you might speak Spanish or Somali or Ukrainian or Arabic or some other international language. Perhaps God would gift you in some way. I just read of a friend of mine who I went to seminary with who was a professor at Southern Nazarene University. I just read this yesterday because he's going to be a pastor in the Florida Keys at a small church that is primarily Spanish-speaking. And he doesn't speak Spanish. He's from Oklahoma. But he's going to learn how. And in his post, he simply said, I'm up for language study. <laughs> he's been a missionary before. He's learned other languages, and he's just trusting that God will teach him how to speak Spanish. Why not? Why not? Others around us, their main form of communication is digital. They speak Snapchat. <laughs> they speak Instagram. They speak Twitter. Not very many of them speak Facebook, but some of us still speak fa Facebook as well. How, how might God gift you? How might God empower you to, to perhaps begin to speak in a new sort of language that might be understood and and might give you some level of credibility with those who speak this language. Still others around us speak the language of science, right? Some speak the language of music. It's like music is what helps them to, 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 to understand the world. Some speak the language of family. Some, for good or bad, speak the language of sports, <laughs> And, and when we speak these languages, when, when God gifts us, or when we sense that God has empowered us in a new way, I, I love music too, I can speak that language. And suddenly you're talking with someone about this, and what happens? Their eyes light up, and, and there's something in them that's like, you're speaking my language. And how might God gift us to speak the languages of the people around us in such a way that ultimately and beautifully they might come to hear in that language the wonderful things that God has done. Just like the people in Jerusalem did that day. They might come to, to, to believe and to call upon the name of the Lord and to be saved. All of God's Spirit made available to all of God's people so that all of creation might come to know God. Pentecost wasn't just a day in church history. It's not just a moment that we celebrate way back then. It's a way of life for the church. It's a way of mission for the church. All of God's Spirit made available to all of God's people so that all of creation might come to know God. It's on every page of the book of Acts that we've studied for the last several weeks, and it's on every page in our lives that we lead and will continue to live. The Spirit leading, the Spirit empowering, the Spirit reaching, and it's this same Spirit that we see in us today. The mission of God is moving, as the screen reminds us, forward. The cause of Christ is advancing, and it's our privilege, it's our honor, it's our joy to be a part of it. 
Amen? Amen. Let's stand together, can we? Invite our worship team to come forward. Lord, thank you so much for these reminders of this Pentecost celebration. May it be a way of life for us. May it be a way of mission for us. Maybe some of us need to hear again that it's not by my might or power, but it's by your Spirit. Maybe some of us need to hear again today that I'm, I'm, everything I am and everything I have, my, 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 my demographic information can be used for the glory of God in a unique and beautiful way for the kingdom. Maybe some of us need to be reminded that the, that the target you're aiming for is wide, wide, wide. You're, you're gifting us, some of us, even this morning. Or you're opening our hearts and minds to a, to a new language. Perhaps that you would gift us to, to speak into the world in which we live. That there might be refreshment. That there might be renewal. That there might be life as we hear together of the wonderful things that God has done. And as many as possible might call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. We love you. We worship you today. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.